So here, here we are. Last week we started a series called Q and A, and what the what the series is, it's you guys asking questions and us trying to answer them. And it's you know we work really hard here here at Ignite to bring messages that are gonna be be important to where we live today, that are going to touch your life where, we at, where we're at today. And we cover varied subjects. We cover them in various ways. And this Q&A is one of the ways that we do it. And so our goal when we do this is to have a helpful and informative time together. That, that's what we're really trying to do. Ed and I are not trying to you know, let you know how smart we are because, you know, hey, we're really not that smart. Well, I'm not that smart. Ed, Ed's pretty good. Yeah. But <laughs> um, what we're trying to do is just be helpful, and so that's one of our big goals. Now, we have some specific guidelines, and we're going to tell you this each week just to, just to remind you. When we're answering the questions that you guys asked over the, during the At The Movies, we gave you cards and said, here, ask some questions. And so when we answer them, we're first and foremost going to look for something in the Bible that directly relates to that question, uh, you know, just specific, like, you know, who, who were the first man and woman? Well, there's a specific answer in the Bible, Adam and Eve. So we're going to look for a specific answer. If there's not one that's exactly like that, we're going to look for a principle in the Bible to say, okay, well, there, there, there's not a specific answer exactly how you're asking it, but here's a principle that applies. And then if for some reason there, neither one of those are there in the Bible, then we're going to give you our opinion and we'll let you know it's our opinion. You can take it or leave it. You can be wrong if you want to. So that's all okay. You're supposed to laugh. Do y'all catch that? Okay. They're white. Ed, right. Ed told me to say that. So, <laughs> um, and here's what's happening. We use the Bible to answer these questions because we believe this was God's gift to us. And in the Bible, God has just so much about life and about relationship with him and how we can live the life that we were born to, born to live. And so that's why we're using the Bible. And, and just by the way, in case you didn't know, we did a series on the Bible this, last, this year. It's called The Bible, What's So Great About It? And you can look that up online, listen to it on, on the website if you want to get more info about just you know, why we believe that the Bible is something that we need to have in our lives. Uh, we believe this, that there is a, a Bible reference there's bible on everything important in life so our first question today is this the last days the bible talks about that phrase the last days uh, refers to the end of time on planet earth where jesus comes back to earth for his church and the whole world recognizes that wow he really is the son of god and it's a fantastic thing but it's also a controversial subject because there are so many things in the Bible that refer to it, but so much of it is metaphorical and not specific, saying this is exactly what's going to happen. And so it's a great subject, that we, and we had a number of people ask about it. And so we want to take a few minutes with this question today. Now, uh, Jesus said a bunch about this. His disciples asked him when he was coming back. And so he talked to them, and we're not going to look at the entire chapter of Matthew 24, but we're going to pull out selected verses. There's a whole chapter where he talked about it in Matthew and in Mark as well. And so what today I want to do is just pull out selected verses to address some of the topics and issues and dynamics of when Jesus comes back, the last days, the book of Revelation, all that stuff. So here we go, Matthew 24. Jesus is speaking and he says, guys, you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So he's saying there's going to be world turmoil 
when I come back. But when you begin to see it, don't panic. These things are going to be happening all throughout time, but my return won't happen immediately just because the whole world's at war. And as we know, in the 2,000 years since then, there's been lots of wars, and Jesus hasn't come back yet. He says this next. He says, There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Now, a couple of folks mentioned this in their questions like, Seem to be a lot more hurricanes and earthquakes and natural disasters taking place in the world right now. Is this, you know, maybe a sign that, that we're getting closer? Maybe, you know, maybe. I, I think that too. And I'm like, wow, this week, that week, forest fires. I mean, it's all happening. And Jesus is saying this stuff is going to increase. So it's like the whole world is going to be agitated. So when he comes back, people really recognize who he is. All right, let's read on a little more. So... Uh, Let's see. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Now, some folks take this very literally and say until every person has heard the gospel in their language, Jesus isn't coming back. Whether I think there's some truth in that, but, but I think there's a little bit of width to it as well. It's not quite as narrow as it sounds. First off, this word, every nation will hear, literally means every ethnicity. So every people group is going to hear. So in a way, that's more than just a country, because as we know, each country may have different ethnic groups and different languages or whatever. So God is, Jesus is saying, everybody everywhere will get to hear about me before I come back. Uh, there's a great organization called Wycliffe Bible Translators. These guys are amazing. They go into a primitive area where, there's, uh, where they haven't heard about Jesus and sometimes don't even have a written language. If they don't have a language, they help them develop their own written language. Then they translate the Bible into their language, and they're just amazing, great scholarly kind of guys out doing a great thing in the world. Well, that kind of stuff is going to keep going on, and somehow, someway, everybody's going to get to hear. Now, on the other hand, God can preach the gospel by himself, and we're going to talk about that again in a moment. So it's not just man proclaiming the gospel to all ethnicities. By his spirit, God can speak to anyone, and he often does. All right, let's go on. So now he's going to talk about when he actually returns, okay? And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be powerful. Nobody alive will miss this. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. So it's going to be an awesome day. I hope it happens in my lifetime, but if not, it's going to happen someday. And the whole planet is going to know that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, uh, if this sort of thing really intrigues you and you really want to learn more, we encourage you, yeah, study prophecy and last day stuff, the book of Revelation. And we want to suggest one particular book that can help you with that. The author is Hilton Sutton, S-U-T-T-O-N. If you'll just Google him, you'll see a number of things about end days, prophecy, and stuff like that, and you can learn a lot from him. Now, the key thing, though, is that nobody knows the exact time Jesus is coming. And people have spent way too much time trying to figure out when it is and predicting when it is. I can remember in 1988, a little booklet came out that said, 88 reasons Jesus is coming back in 1988. Anybody else see that book? Yeah, yeah, the uh, mature ones saw that. Anyway, uh, what a distraction. 
I mean, on one hand, it was kind of a fun read, but on the other hand, it was like, really? I mean, you would publish this book and put that out there, and it probably caused some good with people like, wow, you know, Jesus is coming back, especially folks maybe who weren't part of God's family yet, but it also was a big distraction. So we think that's a mistake to get all caught up in the details. Nobody knows, but here, here's the flip side of that. You can't go wrong if you live like Jesus is coming back today. You can't go wrong if that's your attitude. Here's a great question. Would I be doing this if I knew Jesus was coming back today? Is this what I would do with my day if I knew Jesus was coming back? Well, obviously, he is coming back someday, and there are going to be people doing stuff when he comes back. It's going to be fascinating. All right, so earlier we read where Jesus says he's going to come back, and his chosen ones will be gathered to him. So who are those chosen ones? Who is going to get to go back to heaven with Jesus? Well, we want to give a little general answer to this first, that all world religions basically agree on one major thing that there's something wrong with mankind. Every religion that's ever been discovered, there's some system of sacrifice, some way of trying to atone for people's mistakes. And from the Bible, we learn that's called sin, when I choose my way over God's way. And so every world religion, people just have this sense, I'm flawed, I've messed up, God's holy, and there's a gap, and and I've got to do something. I've got to sacrifice something or whatever to, to make God happy. That's in common with all world religions. We see in the Bible, in Isaiah chapter 59, 2, you could jot that reference down, Isaiah 59, 2, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. And so our sin is like a barrier between us and God, and people throughout all time have known this intuitively. And two things have resulted. One is religion, that man's made up a way to do something about this gap between me and God. Do the right thing, do sacrifices, whatever. But all religion boils down to man's efforts to connect with God. And on one hand, that's a noble thing, people trying to connect to God. But the problem is it's impossible. On your own, you cannot connect to God. It takes God reaching out to you to enable you to respond to him. So that's all world religion, and that's all religion is, is my efforts. But Christianity, a true relationship with God through Christ, is God's efforts towards me. Jesus came to earth for you and me. And so God is the initiator in Christianity. And I have to admit, I can't save myself. I can't earn God's forgiveness. I have to accept his forgiveness as a gift through what Jesus did on the cross. It's the difference between religion and relationship. God's not into religion. He's not into anything man could do to try to impress him. He is into loving you and wanting a relationship with you. So those are the folks who get to go to heaven. Now, we had a corollary question. What about the different Christian denominations today? And that's a good question, and it's an important one. But the basic answer I want to give to that here is that every Christian denomination has this one thing in common. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Now, the Baptists might think one thing about other stuff in the Methodists and the Episcopals, and they may do church different ways. But fundamentally, denominations who are Christian believe that Jesus is the way to the Father. Look how Jesus said it in John chapter 14. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Very narrow, very exclusive. Jesus is saying, it's just me. I'm the only way to the Father. Many people have 
responded to this verse and this whole concept of Jesus being the only way of like, is that fair? What about people who grow up and never hear about Jesus? What about Muslims and Hindus and all these people around the world who they, they haven't heard the gospel yet to them? All they know is what they know. Is that really fair that they don't get to be with God in heaven? Well, remember, everything else is religion. And we want to say today that God is bigger than man's religion. God is more powerful than any religion man can come up with. So Jesus can break through religion as a barrier to get to you, to get to me, to get to people who've never heard or get to people who were raised in a different religion. It's a fascinating thing to study this. I'd suggest if you're interested, you Google something like Muslims converting to Christianity or Hindus converting to Christianity. If you Google that, you'll see many stories about people that somehow God got their attention, got their heart in spite of their religion, and they came to the place they believe Jesus is the way to the Father. And there's great stories to be found on this. There's one I like by a Muslim woman named Fatima, and all she knew was Islam. But she began to become dissatisfied, realizing this isn't really doing anything. This is just religion. So she began to pray, God, is this all? Is this really right? And she began to be drawn to the Christian scripture, away from the Koran to the Christian scripture that God had inspired, the true word of God. And eventually she came to Christ and it was just her, God, the Holy Spirit, and God's word. No person had to preach to her. And so the existence of world religions is not a barrier to God. He can break through that. I want to quote this woman, Fatima, for you. She said this as kind of a conclusion to her salvation story. She said, I now firmly believe that if you earnestly seek truth and keep your heart and mind open, Jesus does find you eventually, for he promised, and she quotes this great verse, ask it, it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So it's essential, and we got to agree that Jesus is the only way to the Father, and he can get to anybody, anywhere who's open to him at all. All right, number two. When and how do I have the birds and bees talk with my child? That's a great question, isn't it? I don't think we had that last time. That's a new question for us. When and how I do this? Well, we want to commend uh, whoever wrote that, that uh, we commend your want, desire to be a good parent. That's great. And we're going to give you a little general information and suggestion on this topic today. So when do I start? As soon as they start asking questions. If your kid at four years old says, where, where do babies come from? Well, you need to give them a four-year-old answer. And the key thing as our children grow up is that they see sex and reproduction and all that as a beautiful gift from God. Not the messed up thing the world tries to make it, but a beautiful gift from God. And so you make it a beautiful thing as your child grows up. And as they get older and have more questions, you make them more age appropriate. It's unfortunate, but it's true. We all got to face it. In our society, this needs to start younger than you'd like. Because our culture is just screaming at us about sexual stuff. Kids in the public schools at a very early age have grown up in environments and they're talking to their friends at school in like second, third, fourth grade. My wife teaches third grade, and last year she taught second grade, and these things came up in kids that young. And so as much as we'd like to just keep them, quote, innocent or whatever, uh, just don't. <laughs> just don't make that mistake. Now, uh, I want to suggest a, a resource for you. Uh, the name of this ministry is Focus on the Family. 
Focus on the Family. And you can find their website. Dr. James Dobson founded this decades ago, and it's a great website about marriage and family and parenting. And he was a child psychologist, and that was his job. And so there's great insight with these guys, and you can find resources to do what me and Lori did. We bought a number of books to teach our kids about the birds and the bees that were age-appropriate. So at about four, we read them this book. Here's the basic pictures of different stuff. Then about six or seven, the next book. And so that was a great tool to bring an age-appropriate book to help our children grow up, appreciate the gift that God's given us, and yet try to do it in a, a biblical way. Now, you might say, Ed, uh, my kid's not asking questions, so I don't have to do anything, right? Sorry, no, no, <laughs> you still have this responsibility, and so you've just got to pray and say, God, when do I start? And again, we suggest strongly start young, all right? Okay, next question. The next question we got is, um, it's a very personal question by who the, the person that wrote it, and the, it, it read this way, can a murderer be forgiven and still go to heaven? And then there's kind of a parenthesis on that question. This person's cousin was murdered. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking, it's like, hey, this person that murdered my cousin, can they go to heaven? And so I wanna, we're going to take a little bit of time with this question, too, because it also, we answer it, but then it starts to make other questions pop up in our mind, and so we're going to try to address those as well. The simple answer to that question is yes. And let me read, let me read this to you, Acts 3.19 now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. God will forgive. God wants to forgive. God wants people, no matter how bad they are, to change. And he wants people to become part of his family. Okay, so that's the simple answer. That's pretty black and white. But, but what happens when we answer this question, there's a lot of, in my, even in my mind, is a, yeah, but what about you know, why? And so let me answer a couple of those. Let me bring it this way first. Okay, God can forgive this person for murdering my cousin or they, you know, for doing that. But what about me forgiving them? Because that's kind of tough. You know, God's, you know, God's God. He can forgive. But what about, what about me? Well, here, here's what, the, the way we want to answer this is just let you know, first of all, what forgiveness is. Sometimes we don't get a, have a clear perspective on what forgiveness really means, and so we want to help you with that. And, and here's a, an, an easy definition of it. Uh, forgiveness is relinquishing my right to punish someone who's wronged me. Um, if somebody's wronged you and you feel like you have a right, yeah, I have a right to make sure they suffer, and I have a right to make sure they learn their lesson. Well, I relinquish that right when, when I forgive them. And, I mean, this is a big deal. Everybody in here has been wronged in some way or, or, or another. And this, this always hits home. Here's what forgiveness is not. It's not saying that what happened was okay. And it's not. It's not saying that, um, denying that it was wrong. It's not denying the wrongdoing. Forgiveness is not that. And here is something else. It's not, forgiveness doesn't mean you have to allow something to continue. Uh, it's, that is not what forgiveness is. Um, it, it, that, it's no, that's nowhere in, in the Bible that we have to just forgive and forget and let it go and uh, we'll just let it keep happening. No, 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 no. That's not what forgiveness is. Uh, Jesus made a comment about forgiveness. So, you know, just if you keep these things in mind, and I know some of you are still having, yeah, but question, but hold on, we'll get there. Uh, let, let me tell you something Jesus said. 
when he gave us the prayer model, a lot, of, a lot of times we call it the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said something very specific about forgiveness and, and why it actually is very important for us to have in our lives. He said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. All right? Here's the like, tough part. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Again, it's pretty cut and dry, black and white. Um, if we let this scripture sink in, forgiving somebody for a wrong they've done to us or our loved one or, just, you know, some, or even just something we think they did, um, if we let it sink in, forgiveness becomes not only something that we should do, it becomes something that we have to do if we want to be spiritually healthy ourselves. If we want God's forgiveness when we mess up, we must forgive other people. Remembering, forgiving doesn't mean what they did was okay. Doesn't mean that we have to be great friends. It doesn't mean any of that, but it means I'm going to relinquish my right to inflict punishment uh, on them for what they've done. So here's, one of, here's the huge, biggest question that pops up in our mind when, when we start talking about this. Well, where's the justice in that? Where, where is it? I mean, come on. They, these people should learn their lesson. We can't just let society, we can't just forgive everything and, and let everybody roam free and do what they want. It's okay, I forgive you, and then they do it. You know, where's the justice in forgiving? Well, uh, first of all, I, you know, it, it's okay to say, um, this person has done wrong. They, they, they've gone the wrong way. They've, they've caused harm, and something needs to be done about that. And people do have to pay a price. And, and you know, in our system, in our, our court system, in our, our laws, they're there. You know, you, you kill somebody, you're going to go to prison. You know, you, there's, there's things, there's consequences to what we do. Uh, but our, in our minds, we think, yeah, but if I, if I forgive them and let them go, what if it's not that? If I forgive them and let them go, what if, they may not learn. Well, it's, again, it's okay to want to see somebody, I think it's okay to see somebody want to see them penalized for what's happened, but it's not, um, it's not me doing that. It's not me trying to get revenge. It's not me uh, holding something against them. I want to read you. This is not in your notes, so you might want to write this down. Romans twelve nineteen. I want to read you something. I'm going to read to you in the message version. It puts it so plainly. Uh, here's, here, this, is, this will help us. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. This passage of scripture right here helps answer the question, well, where's the justice in me forgiving somebody for what they've done? The justice is, number one, it helps you and you get to be forgiven when you mess up, but it also is, I get to say, you know what? God can probably administer justice better than me. God can catch people that I couldn't catch. God can see things that I can't see. And so I'm going to let him take care of that. And I'm not also, you know, I shouldn't get happy when if, if something bad happens to somebody that did something bad to me. That's, that, that's not what we're talking about. But it's about, okay, God, I'm going to forgive them. I'll let you take care of justice the way you think it needs to ha happen, the way you need to deal with it, and I get to let it go. That is huge because now I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about if they learned their lesson. I don't have to worry about if it got fixed. I can just say, God, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to go on with my life. 
and I'll let you take care of all of that stuff. So it takes the burden off of our shoulders. There is justice in forgiving people. And it's actually the, the most perfect form of justice when you give it to God. It's a, it's a great thing to get to let it go. So forgiveness uh, is a big deal all the way around. Okay, question number four. How do you recognize God's voice? How do you recognize when God's speaking to you, impressing you in something, giving you direction in, in a decision? You're praying and asking God to, to show you what's going on. Something doesn't feel right, and, and he can communicate to you. that You're a little off the path here. You need to get, get off of that and get back over here, get going this way. How, how does that happen? That God communicates with us. Well, first off, we want to say now to some that may sound kind of weird, like God's voice. You like, I get to audibly hear His voice, and all I have to do is learn to recognize what His voice sounds like. You know, no, we're not talking the audible voice of God. He did that just a few times in thousands of years of history that we have in the Bible. We're talking about when His Spirit speaks to our heart, and He's wanting to direct us. So let's look at a, a scripture to start off with this. This is Jesus speaking from that book of Revelation that we mentioned earlier. Jesus said, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. The key, verse, the key phrase is, if you hear my voice. So there's a dynamic in which, yes, we can hear God's voice, and it's fundamental. If we couldn't somehow sense God communicating with us, we wouldn't be in God's family. Because, again, we said earlier, he initiates, he reaches out, he starts to touch our heart, and we begin to realize, man, I've, I, I, man I'm empty inside. There's something missing, and maybe it's God. Maybe, maybe there's something there, and God begins to draw, and you begin to listen to God's word and realize, I've, man, I've messed up. I've sinned. There's sin between me and God. I need forgiveness, and I need to ask Jesus to forgive me and come into my life. Well, all of that is God communicating with you. And so we want to define, quote, hearing God's voice in a more general way and just say that God communicates with us in many ways. And it's fundamental and necessary in the Christian life. It's how you start. Nobody wakes up and says, well, I'm going to figure out today how to have a relationship with God. No, it's, it's God drawing us. So it's a spiritual thing, and it's necessary. It's fundamental, and it's also very subjective. I mean... Is that God speaking to me this morning or the pepperoni I ate too much of last night? I mean, how, how do I know? I mean, is God really leading me to do this? Oh, I'm not sure, sure because it is subjective. So what we need to do when we're feeling like God may be speaking, communicating to us about something, especially important stuff, okay? Especially big decisions and things like that. Well, we need to take what we think we're hearing from God, that subjective thing. We need to bring objectivity to it. All right, we need to bring some way to analyze it to help us to decide if that really is God or the pepperoni. And so there's two basic tools that we have to test the voice of God, what I feel God's imp impressing me with. The first one is the Bible. The Bible is God's word already spoken to us, his will, his desires for us for thousands and thousands of years. That's set. And so God would never lead you speak to you to do something or say something that's contradictory to his word. He's already said this. He's not going to say, no, not that no more, this. He's not going to do that. Uh, say your neighbor runs over your dog and 
you confront him and he doesn't even apologize. He's like, oh, well, whatever. And you love that dog. And so you go home and you're mad and you're angry. And yet, you know, God wants to, you know, deal with your heart. Well, God, you know, help me. I'm all mad. Help me forgive me, blah, blah, blah. But I, man, he, he wasn't even apologetic. And then you have this thought, well, then just kill him. Now, is God going to tell you to kill your neighbor over a dead dog? Of course not. He's not going to do that. But we get crazy thoughts and we get real subtle thoughts as well. But if we'll go to the Bible, we can really test what God's speaking to us. There's so many great tools available to us. You can just Google Bible subject and then name the subject, and you'll get stuff right there to help you. So the Bible is our first objective tool to help us test this subjective reality of God communicating. The second tool is people. People who are mature in their faith. They're a little further down the road, say, than you are at, that, at this time. They've had a little more going on with God in their life, and you're still growing towards that. You respect them. You feel like they're people who have some of God's wisdom. You ask people their opinion. There's a lot of scriptures that tell us to do this, to get advice from numerous people. And so I'm feeling like God's speaking to me about this, and so I share it with somebody, and they go, you know, I could see that. I just, I get it. I just, I, I feel it. You know, I, I'm, and, and it doesn't contradict scripture and given what's going on with you in your life, I, I can see you going that way. I, I like the word confirm. God can use people to help confirm what he's saying, what he's doing, how he's directing you. On the other hand, you could say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this and it's a big decision. What do you think? And Somebody might go, ah, oh, man, I, mm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not feeling it. I just, I know it's not against the word of God, but it just doesn't, I'm not sure that's his best thing for you. I, I caution you to be careful. And so people can confirm or God can use them to caution us. And sometimes the caution we can realize is, well, this might be a good thing, but it's not time yet. And, and God wants us to do his thing, the right stuff at the right time. And so this tool of people is so helpful. So I bring my, my situation of feeling like I'm hearing God, he's communicating. I submit it to God's truth. I bring it to other people. And I feel like, you know, I, th- I think this is it. There's one final little thing that helps us. That is an internal peace. Again, if I have a relationship with God through Christ, his spirit lives in me and I can have an idea that seems good. It doesn't go against the word. Other people like it. But inside, if I don't have peace, when I think about it, and I pray about it, I'm just like, man, I, I don't know why. I can't put my finger on it, but something's just holding me back. That can be God. It could be a timing thing or whatever. So the peace of God, again, I know it's a subjective thing, but it's real. And it's so helpful in deciding, okay, finally, so I think of moving forward. I have peace or I don't. So, Hearing God's voice is important. And if you don't experience that much in your life, just ask God, God, help me to begin to understand what you're saying. Help me begin to uh, be able to react, relate to you in a deeper and deeper way. All right, next question. The next one is this. Why do bad things happen to good people? Have you ever thought that before? Uh, especially when you see somebody that, this is a great person. Why did that happen to them? Or I'm a pretty good person. Why did this happen to me. Well, I want to first make mention of one thing, and that is um, when you start to, whether a lot of times we think if I start to follow God and I start to go to church and I start to do the right things, then all bad stuff's going to go away. That's not true. Okay? Anybody that ever told you to that, they are a liar. 
Um, bad things still happen. Whether you go to church or not, whether you love Jesus or not, bad things are going to happen. All right? and, and we're going to kind of help, help, help you with the answer, why do these bad things happen? And the first one is this. Our world, where we live, it's corrupted by sin. Adam and Eve helped us out with that. And they, they brought sin into the world. And so um, that just means there's bad stuff. That means there are bad things that happen. And it wasn't God's original plan, but we got off of that plan. And so now, we've, now we, we, have, we live in a world where that kind of stuff happens. And it, it, I, I don't like it, but it's where we live and it's what happens. Now, here's the next thing that, uh, truthfully, I don't necessarily like so much either, but it's true. God allows things to test us. God allows things to test us. I'm going to read it to you, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. <laughs> How often do you do that? Yes. Saw another problem. <laughs> for, when, for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to be patient. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. Okay, problems and bad things that happen can help us. So God allows things to happen. Don't misunderstand me here. I am not telling you that God makes bad things happen in your life to teach you a lesson. But we live in a world where bad things happen. So God says, I'm going to use that bad thing. I'm going to let it go. And let me even try to help you a little more. Well, you know, why? I don't, I don't get it. Why would God let bad things happen? I didn't deserve this or they didn't deserve that. Well, God sees and knows more than you and I do. He sees time from the beginning to end, if you can picture it that way. He sees the entire thing. And so he knows what directs you and I where we need to go. He knows what needs to happen and what it's going to take to get you there. Think of it this way. Uh, you can't fight all your children's battles for them. If you do, they're never going to grow up. They're never going to be able to stand on their own. You, you have, if you've got kids, you have, you have to let them experience hard things on their own sometime. Now, in the, you know, you're in the background, you're like, I'm here. I'm going to help you. If you need help, I'll, I'll give you advice. If you need help, ask me. I'll help you. But you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to face this. You're going to have to go through this. And I think that God really looks at us the same way. And so bad things happen. And I wish they didn't. But they do. And God lets them go because we need to grow up sometimes. We need to connect with him. It actually teaches us that we need God's help. And that, that's a really, to me, that's a big deal. All right, the next part of this is, here's another reason why bad things happen. The devil hates your guts. He doesn't like God. Hates God, too. So he wants to do everything he can to hurt people. All right, Jesus said it. Uh, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That doesn't, he never said a, a pain-free, trouble-free life. He said a rich and satisfying life. Um, so there's an enemy out there that doesn't like you. That's another reason why bad things happen. Another one is you have a free will. Sometimes bad things happen because you made a bad decision. You made a bad choice. You went the wrong way. Or some things that happens because somebody else made a bad decision or a bad choice, or went the wrong way, and it affected you too. And you might be innocent in the deal. But there again, sometimes God lets us go through things. He lets us, he lets us have to take care of it with his support. 
Now, here's what I think is actually the best answer to this question, and it's this. The question is flawed. Um, the question has a flaw in it. Why do bad things happen to good people? There's actually a problem with that question, and here it is. Um, bad things do not happen to good people, and here's how I can say that, because not one person in here is good. There's been one good person to walk the face of the earth, and that was Jesus. And bad things happened to him too, by the way. So I guess I kind of lied. Bad <laughs> things do happen. They did happen to a good person. But um, <laughs> great. That's what you uh, get for ad-libbing, bro. Yeah. Stay on the screen. Not in the notes. <laughs> um, but bad things really don't happen to good people. The more intriguing question, maybe should we ask it this way. Why do good things happen to bad people like us? Why do any good things happen to me ever? Well, you know, what right do I have to expect or demand anything good at all? Now, this takes some realization. This takes some honesty with, with yourself if you, if, you can, if you want to get this far. Are we really entitled to anything good? Not, not really. Why does anything good ever happen to me? And here's the answer why. Because you've had good things happen to you. And here it is. The reason good things happen to you is because God is merciful and he's not fair. There's nowhere in the Bible that says, the Bible says, we read in the Bible that God is just. Nothing, we never read and say, God is fair. God is not fair. If God was fair, I'd be dead. If God was fair, um, life would be over because I would, I would be paying for bad things. So, so God's merciful, and that's why you and I have good things. Psalm 103, verse 10, not in your notes, you might want to write that down. He does not punish us, punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. Good things happen to you because God loves you. He cares about you, and he wants to help. Everything truly good in your life, it has come from God. All right, final question. What's the prayer ministry at Ignite all about? What's, what's up with, with folks praying and stuff like that? Well, there's two places you can receive prayer from folks who we call our prayer team. These people have been trained and approved by our leadership. They're not, it's not just somebody, oh, I want you to step up here. No, they're, they're equipped. And so on Sundays after the service, we have folks come up to the left and right to pray with you after that. Also on Friday night. At 6.30, the prayer team is here, and folks come, and they get to just take their time and relax. There's no rush, and it's a wonderful time to receive prayer. So I want to encourage everybody to get in on receiving that. If you're interested in possibly being part of the prayer ministry, talk to Mark Rickaway. His name and contact number is on the back of your handout. They actually have a training coming up soon. You'll see that announcement, and you could call Mark and talk about that ministry, and he'll invite you to go to the training and, and see what you think of it. So it's an important, vital ministry our church, and we're just so grateful that we have it. All right, y'all stand, and we're going to be dismissed. I want to pray for you guys. Lord, we thank you for every person in here today. We thank you that, we, uh, that, you, that you have answers to our questions, and I pray that this week, everything that you have said, that you help just bring it back up in our hearts every single day. The things that touched our heart as we were sitting in here this morning listening, we pray that you remind us of those things, and we pray that you lead us and that you guide us through the weak Holy Spirit. We do pray that you bless every single person in here. Bring us back next week uh, ready to hear what you have to say to us, God. We thank you.
We thank you, God, so much for every person that had decided to come this morning. Amen.